Good evening, Trekkies, Trekkers, and to all you silicone-based life forms. Welcome to this week's episode of In Star Trek We Trust, a Star Trek podcast. We're discussing the penultimate episode of Season 3, There is a Tide. My name is Kevin, one of your hosts. Hey, my name is Ethan, I'm the other host. And do I have to leave? I'm not a Trekkie, a Trekker, or a silicone-based life form. You're not a Trekkie, and yet you're doing a podcast on Star Trek? A kid, a kid. Okay. You're not a silicone-based life form, as far as I know. No, I don't think so. I think no, I'm that's my new that's my new greeting that I came up with last week, which I kind of like. It's what I'm gonna it's what I'm gonna stick with, and I don't care what people think. Okay. <laughs> I think maybe we should workshop it a little bit, but that's alright. There was a radio show I used to listen to. It was called the the movie I think it was just called The Movie Show, actually. I almost said The Movie Loft. The Movie Show. And the host would begin it by saying, Greetings, Mr. and Mrs. North America, and to all the ships at sea. Welcome <laughs> welcome to the luxurious movie lounge, the home of the stars, where it is our duty and our sacred duty to deliver the goods on movies. Wow. That's yeah, pretty good. It was, quite a, it was quite an intro, actually, and I, I, always, I always liked it. I liked the you- To All the Ships at Sea part. Yeah. Do you remember the did you say the movie loft? I almost said the, the movie, movie loft, loft, the TV thirty eight movie loft. Yeah, they would just when they would just play old movies, right? Yeah. That is a yeah. that is an extremely regional <laughs> yes. thing. It's very regional. Yeah. TV regional. TV thirty eight Boston. Hosted That's also by, where the heat was on TV thirty eight when they would air the Red Sox games. Hosted by Dana Hershey. Dana Hershey. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Who is, is he still in He's still Boston in circulation, media. not on 38, but you hear his voice a lot on the radio and local on local stations. Mostly, I think, um, like maybe WRKO and WEEI, mm. all the kind of all the the sports centric radio stations. So I don't okay. listen to sports at all. But if you know my parents do, so so if I'm ever at my parents' house and they have the radio on, it's always on one of those stations and. What do you know? There will be Dana Hershey. So well, you should call in. Say you want to talk about I don't know, like the Patriots, and then talk about the movie Lost. I don't know if he hosts anything. I think he just does the station IDs. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. But I want I should I should fi- see if I could find him and be like, you know, can I interview you for absolutely nothing to talk about the movie Loft all day? <laughs> That's great. The movie Loft was one of those things. He would host it, and then he would like come in on commercial breaks and like give you some really cool info about. Certain things about the movie. He was a sent. They were basically like DVD extras before DVDs were even out. Yeah, which I was like because there was not really an avenue for that kind of stuff before DVDs. No, you didn't. You'd have to get a book from the library, right? <laughs> if you wanted to find out right. um, about what you know went on in the movies behind the scenes or anything like that. I remember one specifically. It's when he was host. He was introducing the Steven Spielberg movie Duel. Oh yeah, and. He's like, up next, Duel. Buckle up and hang on. <laughs> when Duel was on, that was a big deal in my house because my dad loved that movie. It's a great movie. Um, it's actually yeah. I got my movie, movie education probably from the Movie Loft and then Siskel and Ebert. Okay, so I all right. I'm so glad you said Siskel and Ebert because the reason I said that is because um, so um. Obviously, that in us talking about Discovery, I would say more so this season, 
we've gone into this sort of review mode phase, I think, where we're not just discussing it, but we're really kind of giving it, we're really just reviewing the show. I say more so than we did um, the previous two seasons. And I've been kind of sort of binging old Siskel and Ebert reviews on YouTube for like for movies that I love. And I feel like because I've been watching a bunch of them, I've kind of the approach of this podcast has been more of like a Siskel and Ebert mode for me. That's hey, you know, you aim to emulate the greats and they are the greats. But I they, think. yeah, I mean, they were another thing. I mean, they they are doing what a lot of YouTube stars do now when they review movies and stuff. Like it all began with, it all began there. So yeah, but I really liked their um, sort of down to earth matter of factness about it. You know, yes. the, the, there was always, there was always like Gene Shalit always had this weird vibe to him <laughs> that I didn't really like. He was a little pompous. Whereas Siskel and Ebert were just kind of like, yeah, we just watch movies and we're we, we're smart enough to talk about them in an intelligent way, and that's what we do. And usually, I think up until that time, it was always just like like Gene Shalit because he was on the Today Show. I think it was always like just one critic giving their thoughts. It was never real. There was never really a discussion. And Siskel and Ebert were having from like competing newspapers were like doing a TV show where they were actually having a discussion, and there was mm-hmm. sometimes. It was it was always more interesting when they would have a disagreement. Yes. About a movie. And they would sometimes argue about it. I, I actually remember watching um I looked it up on YouTube, so I saw them review Star Trek Three. Mm-hmm. Search for Spock. And um they both liked it, but there's not really much of a discussion because they talk about the things they like, but then Ebert's like, It was good, but it wasn't great Star Trek material and then um Siskel, Gene Siskel's like, I agree. Absolutely. And then Ebert's like, okay, well, gee, all right, well, next movie, like, there's not really much of a discussion to be had at that point, so. Yeah. Yeah, they, um... They were split on the motion picture, by the way. Okay, who was who was in favor? Uh, Ebert. Oh, okay. Yeah, Siskel did not like it. That makes sense. Siskel really liked Insurrection, though, but Ebert did not. <laughs> wow. Yeah, which I find very strange. Wow. Famously, um, uh, Ebert liked The Phantom Menace. Yeah, Siskel had died before that came out, so we never got to review it. I think Insurrection was the last Trek movie he reviewed. Um, I don't know what the last movie Ebert, um, Siskel reviewed on the show was. but Right. Um, then I remember like they tried out a few other um, film critics for a while before they settled on Richard Roper. Mm. So it became Ebert and Roper. Right, I remember that. Yeah, there's actually a website RogerEbert.com, and uh, mm-hmm. it's where they have all of his written reviews, yep. and they also have a great crop of reviewers that review things as they come out. It's a great website. I think um, Ebert's official YouTube channel puts up full episodes of At the Movies. I think it was originally called Sneak Preview, then it became At the Movies. I think it was like a local show first in Chicago, and then it became at the movies once they went like once they became nationally syndicated hmm yeah it's it's you know for anybody who loves film but doesn't is not familiar with Siskel and Ebert um you know they gotta go on YouTube and just watch a lot of those and watch those yeah Yeah. I I mean I know as a young person it was it was nothing else like it on TV yeah 
everything was kind of slick and packaged and it was trying to promote something, Mm -hmm. but they were just, like I said, talking intelligently about what was good and what was bad about, about yeah, the they had a forum about movies, and it wasn't something. I mean, this is pre-internet, really, so it wasn't. There was nothing. There was nothing out there like it, which is what I liked. Yeah, and if you like Roger Ebert, I definitely recommend the documentary about him, Life Itself. Mm. It's remarkable. Well, let's turn the tide to talk about there is a tide that made no sense at all, but <laughs> the penultimate episode of season three. Um, so once again, I enjoy the episode on its own. I enjoy everything that's going on, but again, tying it back to the story of the season, I just get frustrated because of just the wasted potential there and the sort of lack of setup of things. I, I agree. Um, it, this was an extra disappointing because it started to take a twist that I yeah. liked, mm-hmm. but then it didn't commit to it fully. Yeah. And also the twist came definitely um, with no setup. Yeah. I sort of liked when we saw that there was another side to mm-hmm. Osiris' right. conquest. Yeah, same. It got interesting, it but got, I don't think it was it was it got, utilized well. It got very interesting uh, because there's that scene. There's a scene between her and Admiral Vance where they negotiate, and we learn that Osira and the Emerald Chain want peace with the Federation. And naturally, as the as Osira is sort of made out to be the villain, naturally, me the viewer is questioning whether whether or not this is true. And that's where that lie detecting hologram comes in that I'm supposed to believe, telling me that Osira's intentions are true. Um, but that's sort of immaterial to what is actually revealed in this conversation between the two of them, because we learn a lot about both sides. But it, for me, it doesn't really mean anything because this season has not done a lot of world building for me to see any of this. And it's disappointing. Right. It was so surprising. To, I think we were, we've still been asking the question, and this episode just made us ask it even more. What exactly is the chain? Right. Given that it, we are now the second to last episode, we still don't know who our adversary is or maybe we now we know but it took this long um i think that's a i don't think that's, that's a shortcoming of the season and i don't think that anything that they may reveal in the next episode is going to change that i i i feel like it's a little it's it's unless the emerald chain plays a role next season um i feel like it's kind of too little too late at this point with them because what I was thinking about as I was watching this episode and, and seeing all of the layers being peeled back in this crucial scene between Osira and Admiral Vance is the show could have spent so much time developing 
developing the Emerald Chain. You know, you said that they seemed to be introduced to us in the beginning as a gang, a gang of thugs, a gang of smugglers. And this episode reveals to us that it's much more than that. They have a Congress. Yeah, they... so this, that's when it got me, when she said yeah. something like, um, there's a bill in the Congress right now. And then she also said, I had to spend a lot of political capital to get that done. Right. Then I was so just, I realized everything that's been set up or all the information that we've been given about the chain is sort of not even the important information that we needed to know, that it's actually no. a political entity. It's not just a, a, right. a criminal enterprise. And we've we've only seen a little bit of them. I mean, they were present in a couple of episodes early on, but um, we've only seen one ship, which is Osiris' ship. We've seen one planet, which was a salvage planet, kind of slash prison planet. Um, we saw them visit a planet in the first one. I've not seen like a fleet of Emerald Chain vessels. And we haven't seen any... Um, yeah. Any citizens of the Emerald Chain. Like Which is odd people. to me. We've seen criminals. We've, we've seen, seen smugglers. Citizens. We've seen enforcers. We've seen... Right. We've not seen citizens. Uh, drivers. And that's, that's particularly disappointing because throughout this negotiation, at one point, Vance at, tells her, he says, your people are good. Your people are, like, as if to say, like, the society of the Emerald Chain is filled with good people when I've not seen any good people at all, save for that scientist that we'll get to, but um, right, and there's a lot more to it. I guess, or we're told that there is. It must be. Right, and and that's what I find so disappointing when you have 13 episodes of a season and it's like the show is not using utilizing its time wisely when you could have been developing and the same goes for the federation too there's so much about the federation we don't even know when you could have spent a lot of time developing and fleshing out these two political blocks instead you're dedicating episodes to book rescuing book from from captivity focusing on his brother, spending two episodes right. getting George O off the show. I mean, I think I've said this, something right. like this before, but all of that time, in my opinion, or at least a fair amount of it, could have been spent f- developing these two entities so that when it gets to this point in this episode, I now have yeah, something well, to, to fully this, understand. The book and his brother was building the chain. At least sort of it was supposed to be. At least it was supposed to. Be. It was. They were the villain of the episode, but they didn't develop really develop anything. Right, and it, and it didn't. We didn't get any sense from that. Still, we didn't get any sense that they were anything but a criminal organization because they went to them right. and they said, "We want your slug things, and we have this pesticide that's going to help you. So, right. Right. give us your slugs, and you'll get the pesticide." That that didn't strike me as a political entity. Still, it no. struck me as criminals trying to extort someone right and um we talked about earlier like a few episodes back about when leading up to the leading up to the reveal of osira it was suggested from the behind the people behind the scenes that you know osira has been name dropped a couple of times and you can see why people people are mentioning her name with some kind of measure of fear and you were saying that yeah but 
mentioning somebody's name doesn't mean anything. Right. Just we saying the name doesn't mean anything. them do some things. Yeah. So... Um, yeah. And also, if... If the nature of Osira in the chain mm. was this complex, right, that would have been interesting to see. I, so uh, these few encounters with the chain, it would have been so much more interesting if they had found instead of something evil going on like yeah. slaves salvaging, we they had found a city with great technology and people living comfortably, like Emerald City. Uh huh. <laughs> um. So it's it's just, I think the most ideal villains are the ones that have a good motivation. Right. And here in the show, they they made one that did, and then they kept it a secret. Yeah, yeah. They they. What I was thinking because there's so much they talk about in dialogue with the Emerald Chain that that I want to see that I think would be interesting. You know, Vance talks about the stuff you just mentioned, but he also mentions their complete disregard for uh, contacting pre-warp civilizations, right? What are the ramifications there? In the negotiation scene at one point, Osiris says to Vance, talks about how there was a particular um, space station, DS, I forget the exact number, um, DS-257, I believe, who the Federation has not visited or had contact with for over 70 years, but yet they they have a trade relationship with the Emerald Chain. So I'm thinking, like, there's something kind of juicy there. Like, because the Federation is cut off, doesn't know the full status of other of maybe all these other, like, um, you know, whether it's space stations, planets, anything like that. What if you have, like, these sort of, like, swaths of the Federation that do have a good relationship with the Emerald Chain? And then it puts... But they don't know that Vance has a con- that that Federation headquarters has a rather contentious relationship with them, right? You can right. sort of like imagine like certain parts of the Federation are siding with them or something. Yeah, you know, and that would have been much more interesting. And right. and even for what was there, it's sort of all these things get thrown in. Mm. Too many ideas during this negotiation. There's the piece about trade. She even makes the point that capitalism is happening in the Federation. Yep. Which I know you and I have always found it interesting that um, Star Trek has referenced that there's no money. There's essentially no capitalism, right. which I'm always surprised right. that the people uh, that enjoy the show do sometimes. But so the idea that one of the problems – with the Emerald Chain is that they were bringing capitalism to the Federation. Yep. Seemed really strange. I thought they were a criminal enterprise. So they're trading and that was the problem. Right. So that was one that was thrown in there. Very strange. Yeah. Uh, also, Osiris starts talking about how everything is abstract with the Federation and nothing's concrete. And right. she talks about their food, how the food's not real. And their idea of justice is abstract. So it, that wasn't an idea that went anywhere either. Right. Like, there's all this stuff that they're talking about. And again, as I mentioned, the scene between them is really great to watch. We learn so much, and yet I still question so much. I mean, Vance talks about how after the burn, we had to make hard choices, as if he was, as if, first of all, as if he lived through it, but he didn't. Well, but, that, was, uh, that was Osira. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. So, but it makes me think about, like, 
where did the Emerald Chain come from? How did they rise up from the... How did, I assume they rose from the ashes of the burn. How did that happen? Given that the two alien species inside of it, the Andorians and the Orions, were once Federation members, what does that mean? Does that mean, like, maybe after the burn, the, Federa- the hard choices that the Federation had to make meant that going one way instead of going the other way? And so does that mean that Federation members broke off and formed their own Federation, which is the Emerald Chain? Like, I just, I I see, I see so much potential in there that's just not... So much potential that should have been explored. explored through the whole season. Exactly. And I think it would have been a great thing to explore because not only does it, I think, make for some really interesting and intriguing world building and drama for the scene... But given the fact that the Discovery crew is coming here from the 23rd century, they're going to be out of sync. We, the audience, are going to be out of sync. We need to be informed just as much as they do. Right. So, and so you and I yeah. have been we've been looking at some show bibles and, and um, yeah, you know, thinking about them. Right. For anyone that doesn't know, the show bible is what's written about for all the, for the writers of the show, so they can reference. Like, here's the world laid out. So that yeah. if you you want to make sure that everything fits, and it just seems like there's no rhyme or reason, or no consistency to what what right. happens in the show, and even down to you mentioned it a little bit. When did the burn happen? So it was about a hundred years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And yet Osiris says when Vance accuses her of some. Uh, human rights violations, we all had difficult choices to make after the burn. Right. Which neither of them would have been alive for. That shouldn't mean anything to them. <laughs> right. So right. it's that was so out of the blue and just shows that none of it adds up to anything. Because seems- she would not have made difficult choices because of the burn. She would have been born into a post-burn right. world. She would have no idea. lived in it. It seems like the the world building that would have been done on a show Bible is not happening, did not happen until this episode. Because this was the first episode in which they were able to fully flesh it out. Well, flesh right. it out in some way, not fully flesh it out. But And, and yeah. I, I'll only bring it up this one time. Which is trouble. It does remind me of season two when... Yep. It seems like the whole rules of the game changed mid-season, mm-hmm. and it didn't. It wasn't a twist, you it's, know, uh, just to uh, that meant anything. It was just, it was just a, a total switching of gears. It's it's in, late it's, in the season. It seems it's it's vital information that the show brings up only when it's nece- only when it feels like it's necessary within the within the plot of the show. Otherwise, they feel that it's like they feel like it doesn't it doesn't make a difference. Like them getting to this moment between the two of them. I mean, I feel like the meeting of Osira and Admiral Vance. I felt like there needed to be some lead up to this throughout the season, yeah. right? Right. Like, it was all building to this moment, right? And it's like Discovery introduces these ideas. And then shortcuts all the way to the end. But it doesn't seem to – they don't seem to want to put in the work necessary 
in between to develop this idea that way when you get to a moment like this that it, that it, that you feel like you actually got to a place that you feel like it actually was full, that it was developed it started it started off like this now it's like this right yes and even just so the fact that what she is after essentially is to open up trade yeah and then to have uh, starfleet share the spore drive technology because starfleet can't replicate it she thinks her scientists can and that would help everyone because then they wouldn't need dilithium. Right. The spore drive that suddenly she seems to want, which right. she did. So here's the crazy thing, right? Yeah. That's a that's a been clearly it's reasonable. Vance thinks it's reasonable, and he, he thinks about it seriously. That's a very reasonable arrangement that she's suggesting. Right. Now I think it was only two episodes ago the chain and Starfleet were already negotiating. It was the one when they had to go rescue, uh, book. Because right. there was negotiations and, and he felt like if they go and muck it up, it's going to yes. risk the – yeah. So why did she have to stage this elaborate stealing of discovery, crashing right. in and sneaking uh, under mm-hmm. subterfuge into Starfleet headquarters when they were already negotiating? Clearly they have diplomatic channels between them and, and right. it seems that an, an, a different option to all this would have been to send a message saying, hey, I'd like to negotiate some more. So, yeah, again, I mean, it, it was cool, I guess, but when it's cool, it doesn't make any sense. And, and that's what I, that's what I feel like is sort of the mantra of a lot of the writers in the writer's room. Hey, this sounds cool. This looks cool. Let's do that. But they don't, they don't yeah. think about whether or not it logically makes sense within the framework of the, of the storyline. They just do it. And right, then they're like, oh, right. we'll just take care of it with a line of dialogue. It's okay. Yeah. No, and, you know, it's it not actually, okay. It makes me think of the unification one and two and how they didn't give us much of it, but they gave us enough for us to understand that there were different factions on, um, of Romulans, some right. that were open to the idea of uh, yep. reunification with Vulcans mm-hmm. and some that weren't. So that's why he had to sneak in. Now, if – they could have set that up with the chain to summon the chain that don't want to have anything to do with Starfleet. And they think that what she's doing is wrong. So that's why she has to sneak in in that way. Cause they won't yeah. let her negotiate directly. There could have been ways to do it, but like you said, and they often don't do it the way that makes sense. And I know that when the negotiations, so the negotiations break down when Vance says to Osira, um, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's basically if we want this to work, you need to be brought to justice for the crimes that you committed. Mm-hmm. And she's not having any of it, right? And, that's, yes. and then she immediately goes back to what we thought she was, right? which is just a murderous but villain. where I get confused is Vance says to her, like, I promise you, you can be brought to justice. And she says, and I promise, I can promise you the same. And then she storms out. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, but... Now, what's the jeopardy that we're in? Now what? What does that mean? She's gonna, is she going to come now and, and blow everything up? Like I took it to mean... What yeah, is the dilemma that we're in right I'm gonna now? I'm going to kick your ass. Right. He meant justice, like you're going to get a trial and be able to defend yourself. And she well, meant, I'm going to blow you up. And Yeah, like, I guess I didn't fully... Like, I understand, but, like, it wasn't as if she came into this thing and said, I want peace or else. Right? There was no kind of, like... I didn't feel a threat because it seemed like her intentions were, I want peace. 
there was none of that like, but if we don't get peace, I'm going to do X, right? So, like, yeah. her storming and, out, I don't know what that's supposed to mean. So does that mean that, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to blow you up now. I think like, what, what, it, what I took what, it what's as, the jeopardy? as, oh, well, if I can't get or it I'm just gonna leave negotiations, I'm just going to take it. Yeah. But again, that was a lot of reading between the lines. Well, because it's based on all of that, she grabbed Discovery so she could get in the front door. And as Book says, she she's in the past. What she's done is she's kidnapped. She's taken over a vessel. I forget the the name of the planet, but she mentioned that she took the vessel and she destroyed the presidential palace, right? Which is which I guess answers my own question potentially in this situation. Mm. But now, first of all, book says that, I mean, that seems to be crucial information. You should be telling them, which again is another example of the show only dropping this, these information (laughs) bits like this when it seems to make sense within the plot. Mm. But I guess, yeah. So I guess now she's going to blow. So if I'm to, if I'm to point to that as the example, does that mean that Osira is now going to destroy Federation headquarters? I think I mean, she, she's going to take what she she only has one ship able to negotiate for. Yeah. Well, she has two ships. She has Discovery and her ship, right? She does. But um, all of those Federation vessels can fire on Discovery, which Vance wanted them to do initially before he figured out that Osiris was on board. Right. Scene that you've well, I guess she could spore jump away. With yeah. that, and then probably destroy them with her big ship. Well, she can't she because be Stamets shields. She can't because Stamets is off the ship now. Don't forget. Oh right, yeah. So yeah. they put her, but that probably was her plan, perhaps. Well, right. Yeah. The right. long story short is, this was a very brief interlude of the, the whole situation getting much more interesting. Just to have it go back to straight villainy. I'm going to destroy you. Yeah. And the other part of that that we get is. When we meet um, her scientist, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know what friend. <laughs> I think I think husband, because um, played by Kenneth Mitchell, by the way, who Star Trek fans know, especially on Discovery. I shouldn't say especially only on Discovery, but um, when he has a scene in the in the engineering lab with Stamets, Stamets points out that he has some implants on the back of his ear, which indicate. Um, how many children he has, and he says, mm-hmm. "Oh, your wife must be Orion." And just given, right. I'm just I'm just assuming, not because she's Orion, but just because of the closeness of their relationship. I think that, and that she's the only female Orion we've met, so that, it's the only person that would make sense. Yeah, that that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, either way, it, it okay, whatever. But either way, um, right. But yeah, so I think, um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so I think that we get the other side of it when he says that how Osira found him, and because he he um, because of his his condition, it seems like he's maybe paralyzed from the waist down or something. Mm-hmm. Yep. That he wouldn't have survived, but she was able to help him. And this right. is another interesting bit where they hit on the capitalism bit. They say maybe in your time when um, uh, you know medical treatment was was free and available for everyone. Well, but in my time, you have to be able to afford it. Well, and is he human too? That's what was included to me. Uh, is he a human? That's the impression I got. Yeah. So what's going on there? <laughs> right. I mean, 
So are there humans in the Emerald Chain too? I mean, Osiris goons all seem mostly human. So. Yeah, yeah, right. Her, her um, security guy. I mean, I'm not saying that because you're human, you have to be part of the Federation. But traditionally, if you're a human, you are a Federation officer. So well, I imagine they're probably scattered all over because it could burn. be. But yeah. Um. So, but it gets interesting because he is sort of represents the all the positive things about Osira and the Emerald Chain. Mm. You know, he he's doing scientific research. He actually wants to help and take care of the energy needs by figuring yeah. out how the spore drive works. He seems to be a little bit in denial as to exactly how evil Osira really is. Yeah. It would have been cool if we met him just on his own somehow earlier in the season. And the reveal later is that, oh, he's actually in the Emerald Chain. We just didn't know. Right. Or if we had seen him as the counterpart to the chain of realizing, okay, the chain actually isn't all bad. Well, right, because if we were to if we were to meet him early on and we like him but don't realize he's part of the Emerald Chain until later, then when we find out that he's part of the Emerald Chain, we're like, oh, wait a minute, but he's a but he's a nice person. How could he be part of the Emerald Chain? Hmm. Yeah, something. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, something. It's just, I, yeah, I I I, I got to save a lot of my thoughts on it on all of it just for the season wrap up, but um, right. He had good moments on the. I liked all the scenes that he was in. Me too. I like liked I the fully scenes together. Everything and, that he was, yeah. Yeah, he seemed very legitimate, very sincere as a character, mm-hmm. and the way Samus tried to manipulate him was nice. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Anthony Rapp had who plays Stamets had I think was really the kind of the standout performance in this episode. He had like he had two really good scenes. One with that scientist's name, whose name I'm forgetting, and then the other one with uh, Cynico Martin Green. Mm-hmm. Um, he really, I think, kind of tore it up in this episode. Yeah, um, he gave yeah, a kind of devastating good. performance. He was good, definitely. Yeah. He was good. Yeah, um, I know. So this is our second time recording this episode because of my incompetence. You're not supposed to admit that. I know, because of my incompetence, but. You would set on the first one, because we're not kind of following the same structure as the first time, but uh, what I don't want to gloss over is we talked at length last time about how, and I'm noticing a, I'm noticing a lot of people online are doing the same thing, how this is this episode is essentially lifted from Die Hard. Oh, yeah, okay. So, yeah, so yeah. This, I just happened to watch Die Hard on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Julie and I watched it because she hadn't seen it. But she really likes to show Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which makes a lot of diehard references. Anyway, we watched it recently. So once... Um, and I watched Speed, directed by the guy who photographed Die Hard. Sorry. Weird. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it was so diehard, it was silly. Because mm-hmm. you got... Someone has taken over a place. You know, evil people. They're yep. speaking on communicators. You have the one person that they don't know is there, which was Bruce yep. Willis in Die Hard. Um, they're in the in, in uh, Die Hard. He was in the ventilation ducts. In this, she's yep. in the Jeffrey's tube, which yep. is more than just one tube. I'm learning. And well, Jeffrey tubes are a network of tubes, but yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And so 
she loses when she lost her shoes. That's when I just said to myself, "Okay, this is diehard now." Yeah. She lost her shoes. Her feet were bloody. Yep. Um, no even the way she sent the 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 inform no, what are they called regulator out yep. out the airlock and mm-hmm. and then the the leader saw them floating by. Yep. And then she's on the walkie-talkie, kind of taunting them a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't say yippee ki but um, she just said, you're going to have to send more regulators. But she also didn't say, uh, I would have loved it, though, if she said, we'll get together and have a few laughs. <laughs> yeah. It was, um, that, yeah. I haven't you know, seen Die Hard in a long time. It was fun, time, I guess. So. Well, critics online who are reviewing the episode are saying the same thing. I'm noticing people saying it on the Trek BBS, too, that it was, like, too coincidental. Like, it had to have been on purpose that they just decided to make it full on die hard. Yeah. Cause there's no reason she, they had to have her lose her shoes. Right. Now they didn't play that up like in die hard when, when he then has to walk across a room full of broken glass. Right. Well, I mean, throughout Trek history, we've had many an episode with the hero ship or the hero station is taken over by, an invading force and the crew has to take it back. Sometimes there's only one person left to do it. So discovery is not the first series to do it. I mean, I, the other example I would point to is starship mine from next generation, mm. but discovery I think is the one that most closely resembles Dio because it just seems to lift moments. Exactly. Yes. Right. Yes. I mean, in Starship Mine, Picard goes back to collect his horse saddle. And then he finds out that people have taken over the ship and he's got to try to stop them. But okay. nothing in that episode, I don't think. Um, They'll direct Die Hard like crawling I don't think through so. the... Yeah. Well, I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I wouldn't even call the crawling of the Jeffrey Super Die Hard thing because you do that in Trek anyway. So, um, right, but crawling know, through when, when there's... Using that as your way to avoid to, to yeah. avoid detection by the terrorists that have taken over your vessel. It's interesting though when she's in. I think it's when she's in the Jeffries tube. Michael, she calls her mother to leave her a yes. message, and I I'm wondering if we're gonna have a kind of repeat of the finale of season two when the cavalry kind of shows up at the last minute. So am I to infer that? some Romulan Vulcan ships are going to show up in the end or, um, I mean, I, I don't feel like there's a battle coming, but I could be wrong. I'm going to um, say yes. Yeah. Here's why. And the forces of earth are going to be coming too. I think maybe now here's why. Mm. And I, we talked about this last time too, and you brought up the good point of this. And one is that remember, although, although it's always hard because, as we said, the show takes so many turns, it forgets things it already did. Yes. But it would make the most sense if they were being at all consistent, because you remember the president of Vulcan, Romulus, mm-hmm. um, says to Saru, like, yeah. I would look forward to continuing this conversation sometime, yeah. right? Yeah. So that chances are that's going to happen. So we had also talked about how it would be nice if maybe at the end of the season, like, one planet at least comes to the table to discuss rejoining the Federation or something like that. I think the only way that it will, this season could in a small way redeem itself mm. is if this happens the next episode, which we talked about and I think makes sense. Right. Uh, you have the Romulans, Vulcans come 
to help. Earth comes to help. Um, the chain scientist turns on Osira, mm. and then the chain, the Romulans, the Vulcans, Earth, and the Fe- and the Federation all rebuild a new star, a new Federation. Yeah, and I'm going to support your points a little bit more because I remember one of the things that Saru says to the Romulan Vulcan president. Um, I'm sorry, I forget the name of the new planet. It hasn't sunk in yet. Um, no. He's kind of almost laying a guilt trip on them, and he's saying that the Federation really feels the loss of this planet, and yes. they've suffered enough, or something to that effect. Yes. And now here's the thing, though, that is unfortunate. We don't, we still don't really know why they left. Right. We don't know the whole story. No, because they said this was only one in a long line of things. So, right. If they do come back, it's going to be a little hollow. That's thank you. Okay. So that is an excellent word to use with all of this. A lot of this feels that that is, I think that that describes a lot of it perfectly. Um, While I think by the end of the season, I don't feel like there's a need to resolve things. It's just more further develop things. Um, Have them not come out of nowhere. Right. A lot of this is going to, and again, while we may reach a point where like things are kind of quote unquote wrapped up, it's going to feel hollow because as I said, the show doesn't seem to want to do a lot of the work necessary to get there, to get to that payoff. They just seem to want to introduce it and then go right to the payoff and not do anything interesting in between. Right. So, so while you could say on paper, yep, it's resolved, but it's clear to us, it's clear to me that they're not too focused on the journey getting there. So it's more just about it's just getting there. How they yeah. get there, it doesn't it doesn't seem to be be a big make it be a big deal. But what, one thing I will give them credit for, and I've said this before, that right we talked about how about how the theme seemed to be abandoned, and the theme was that discovery is bringing the hope yeah. of their time um, into this world that's more chaotic and less trustful and whatnot. Mm. And the ideals, they're bringing the ideals with them. And the only episode I think really worked in that way was the one with Earth. Oh, somewhat Unification 3. I would argue, I would argue one more, that Hope is You Part 1, but only because, only only for the introductory portion of it. Yes. Yeah. But that set it up, but I think the only one that actually followed through on the idea yes. was the one on Earth, because they showed up to a hostile place. Because that was like two episodes later, I think. Right. Yeah. They show up to a place that's hostile, that's in conflict, yep. and through uh, trust and negotiation and goodwill, mm-hmm. they are they turn enemies into allies. They 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 TOS'd next generation their way out of it. Yeah, which was great. It was we were not, very enthusiastic about that. Right, because it seemed like it was going to be a dumb battle. Oh, we have a stupid villain in a co- in a suit, you know, with the, right. And but no, they they did the Star Trek thing and they solved it with their words. It's what they did in that episode, the people of earth. That's what I wanted to see happening. Like throughout the season moments. I'm not saying like you have to reunite everybody at every place you go, but versions of that type of thing. Right. And it kind of ties into what I think, I was going to say about what I wish they had done this season where like 
you know, Discovery arrives, they're not sort of up on what's going on, the status of everything. By the time they find Starfleet, they're just kind of now business as usual. You know, at one point, Vance mentions to them that they are their fast, quickest respond. I forget what, I think he says fast responders or first responders or something like that. But he also mentions how you know, subspace relays are down and we haven't contacted these, we haven't talked to these, that's space station in a long time. And I'm thinking, like, how come you don't send discovery out there to sort of reestablish a lot of these things to get it to assess what's going on it gets the crew up to speed it gets us up to speed and they may mm-hmm. encounter situations like we've seen yes. in people of earth and they're able to kind of spread that goodwill that kind of maybe they leave them a little dilithium to keep them going for a while i don't know but yes and, and in it, their travels they're encountering they're getting hints of this emerald chain thing that's also present out there the part that's very unfortunate too is that when the episode happened i thought i mistakenly believed that well maybe the season is you know an arc and it starts off and first they're not really doing this as well and now this happens and that kind of gets them going on their path they realize that this is what they need to be doing right but it didn't then the chain came in and became so important um and the chain it was more of a just battle situation yeah, because if you if you position the discovery ship itself to be the one to go out to these places to help reestablish a sense of hope, I would think that your opposing force, which is the Emerald Chain, who may be taking advantage of these places up until Discovery arrives, now views them as a threat to right. to whatever it is they're trying to achieve. And then mm. that's how your villain is gradually getting built up over the season. Discovery is who is now either coming to this planet that the Emerald Chain has been raiding the resources of, or Space Station, or whatever, now sees Discovery as a threat that needs to be dealt with. Because they are getting in the way of our quest for domination or something to that effect. I don't know. But, yeah. Right. And so, but here's why I think that it would be somewhat salvage the season if this new federation happens Mm. is because i feel it really was the earth episode and unification three that kept the most of that theme Mm. and if they both actually work in bringing these groups back to the federation that would be kind of nice to some extent the um the trill episode because that one that was nice too because they they you know, you ha- it was a classic. You have people on a planet that are too committed to the old ways and don't yeah. see that it's time for change and new ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might be nice too. But I don't expect them to to join. But who knows? No, I mean, so yeah, that would be the only. And then some. Also, somehow, if they win over this scientist with their yeah. ideals and hope, well, then then that would be th- at least the theme would come back. It just the nick of time to save the season a little bit. I remember when they went to Trill and one of the um, one of them said that our population was devastated by the burn. Now I want to know more about that but that's not something that that does not hinge on the plot moving forward. That's just more me. That's just more curiosity. Well, what happened? Mm. What do you mean? How did you get affected by the burn? Um, it's wanting to know. So it's like they haven't fully assessed the damage from the burn. And I want to know how far reaching a lot of this has been. 
right? I want a I want a status on kind of everything. Yeah, and so that's I another can, yeah. inconsistency because we were under the impression that um, dilithium was uh, exceedingly rare right now, mm. but then it was revealed that as if it were surprise news that the chain was running out of dilithium when right. we had thought that everyone was running out of dilithium. So again, it's in, it's a, it was confusing because the burn rendered dilithium inert in an active warp core and those ships yeah. were, were destroyed, but it didn't, but I think it was also confusing because they mentioned that dilithium was running dry even before the burn. So, but now they're running out of dilithium anyway. But that, so I guess I'm a little. I, I I think that piece of it that says dilithium supplies were running dry even prior, kind of I think monkey wrenches it a little bit because I, I don't get. And yet the burn still happened. Like it, it, I don't see the two of them working well together. Like why couldn't it have been? Oh well dilithium just dried up entirely like why did it have to be do you know what i mean yeah i don't even yeah. remember that they said that so that yeah didn't they, bother they, me. they were not they're not very clear on this um on this so yeah i just but yeah. even then the burn was not did not seem it was this grand mystery presented to us but it didn't seem to be that difficult to solve no, it didn't. Right, like it was. It, it was. It, it was three black boxes that triangulated a position of origin, and then that. Then that was it. That's all they needed. Right, right. Nobody now, could have solved that in. Here's the other years? sad fact. We were. We've been. It's been insisted to us by Michael that solving the origin of the burn will is the only thing that can save the the Federation. Right. Now that may prove to be true. But it's in such a way that it's not as if she knew this at the time. Right. Like it it's just it's all just happenstance. The so the fact that she knew so clearly this is what's gonna save the Federation, but then the way that it saves it is not anything logical or sensible is No, and disappointing. there's no sort of like there's no timetable here, right? Like the burn happened 150 years ago and the Federation does still exist, albeit smaller, but they still exist. So, I mean, the Federation clearly did not view it as a priority of figuring out exactly what happened. Right. Right. Like nobody did. They just kind of like sat there waiting for somebody to show up. Not yes, knowing it, if it was going to happen again, like so that that's that's a little strange, but yes. at the same time, the key to the future of all of this lies on that planet, which they said it was a dilithium nursery, and nobody said now if it's a dilithium nursery, I assume that means it's an endless supply of dilithium. Mm-hmm. Um, you would think a light bulb would go off on a character to say, you know. This planet holds the key to bringing things back to normal or something, or restoring the galaxy to what it once was, right? And yet, that's that seems to be either just that seems to be kind of glossed over, right? Like, 
I mean, I, I don't know. I, I guess the future lies in that planet, and yet that's not that doesn't seem to be something that they are moving towards. Right, yeah. and that's another thing that there's no way Michael could have known that the, finding the source of the burn would also find a new source of dilithium. Right. And she also could not have known that finding the source of the burn would cause this other group to try to steal their ship. And then that would yeah. make them, uh, you know, bring them back into the fold. And then that mm-hmm. would cause them to be under attack, the Federation. So that would cause the earth people to come and help them or the Vulcans right. and Romulans to come and help. Like it's all just, it still all comes back to, at the time, it made absolutely no sense that Michael kept insisting finding the right. source of the burn would save the Federation. But I believe it's going to. But it's all going to be based on a magical hunch. Right. There's so much of this. As a viewer, I just feel like I need to. The show just wants me to take it at its word. Yes. And yet. Michael just had a hunch. Right. And yet. That all this was going to happen. I. I mean, you've said it multiple times recording this season. Show me, don't tell me. Yes. And, I mean, and there are instances where it goes the other way, right? Tell me, don't show me. Just depends on, I, I, I guess it just depends on what it is, right? But there's been too much of that this season where they just, they tell us, but they don't show us anything. Well, I think they're showing and, us some unimportant things. They're showing they're telling us, us it's, the it's, important thing. It's the choice of what they choose, of what they show us. That's why I, that and that goes back to what I was saying earlier, where it just to me seems like, yeah, they're not making use of their time well to focus on and develop the important things. The important things just get a line of dialogue and move on, or no, or Absolutely. almost no development at all. And that's yeah. So, and I don't think. Whatever they do in the in the finale of the season is not going to change that. I think you hit the nail right on the head when you said when you said hollow. I think hollow is just the 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 perfect way of putting it. Yes. Now another big thing that we reveal finally is that where the spore drive data is, which is as important. Right. So I had said last week that I think that the spore drive or not the sphere data is going to... Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I almost said it too. Is that the sphere data is going to be critical. Um, and as we've said, it's troubling that... I hate that we always have to, sque- I have to squeeze in like um, a little review on almost every aspect of this, but I can't help it. Um, that the sphere data is sentient and that nobody seems to find this troubling but okay whatever i'll just accept or at that least, for whatever yeah, yeah, reason yeah. or because there's no reason to believe that just because it's ai that has become right. sentient doesn't mean that it's um gonna not be a problem right and i mean for all i know starfleet vessels may operate in that century by a by an ai but discovery just developed one it wasn't as if you know so nothing you yeah, can this re- one evolved on its own shouldn't they just have to test it first yeah what if it takes no way the ship what if they tell it to do something and it says i'm sorry uh, saru i can't do that yeah so um and they they hinted this in the beginning of the episode when that when they're basically putting in the operating system for the emerald chain on the ship which by the way just quick note i like that they at least make it a point to say 
that they're changing the interface around to make it work for them. Because too many times on Trek have aliens taken over the ship and they know how to work it immediately. Yes. There's and also like just, that. Yeah. It makes so much sense too, because it might have some security features on it that are exactly. going to lock them out or something. So yeah, they, they wipe it yeah. clean and put so it in an operating a, system. I got to give them credit for that. That, that, yep. that was a, that was a good move. Um, and I even like the visual tip that it was the, um, the sphere data with the, the clip of the Buster Keaton film. Right. I think Buster so that was Keaton, nice because it's like, okay, we know they don't have to say it directly, but they gave us enough right. that we know what's going on. Now, I was hoping that a hologram of Buster Keaton would come out and save the day, but uh, that's not what we got. Instead, we got so as the crew is prepping to take back the ship at the end of the episode, we find out that the sphere data has transferred itself into sm- into three small dot robots, which yes. reflect and we learned three the biggest mystery. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we solved the biggest mystery of the season, which is why were the droids, as I call them, suddenly in the opening. Right. Like the title opening. Right. We got no and indication prior to this one that why as to why they were there. Yes. Yeah. But now we know. Um, so And it's great too because obviously they're not no longer physically connected to the computer system, so it keeps right. them safe. So nice. Right. Well, it, the reason why I had this theory was that the sphere data was going to be critical is last week when Tilly tells Osira I'll destroy the ship. I thought, no, you won't be able to because you tried last season. I mean, I shouldn't put it past them that because they <laughs> right. do tend to ignore their own logic from time to time. But I do. So even then, that willing that wouldn't have surprised me. I was willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. But um, I'm so in this case, I was glad I was right. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what that means for the next episode. Does that mean we're going to get three little dots running around with phasers shooting people? I mean, I don't know what they're going to oh, be hope that's doing, but it had an extreme, it was an adorable ending, but it also had a very like, you know, when I saw them, I, the first thing I thought of was like, okay, I feel like I'm looking at three little BB-8s, like there's some kind of Star Wars thing oh, yeah. going on here. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I keep calling them droids. Yeah. You kept in the first instance of us recording this, you kept mistakenly calling them droids. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they come on. They look like droids. Um, but yeah. Mm, so yeah so that's where it leaves us so it, it seems like we're set up for a finale that has to do a lot of things it has to get discovery back mm-hmm. it has to rebuild the federation i would say at least begin that i don't think it right. has to do it fully it has to rescue saru and hugh and adira yeah and then it has to figure out what to do with the Kelpian kid. Mm-hmm. That's a lot for one episode. But um, I would say that, um, I, I, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. But, I, I mean, at the same time, some of it doesn't feel like a resolution to me. Right, like it's a season finale. There's going to be. I, I'm going to assume there's going to be some aspect of a cliffhanger, and I know that the trip to the 32nd century was a one-way trip. This is where the show is going to be from now on. So, 
I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they left some of this to resolve until next season. I would say, but, or they just may just forget it entirely. I wouldn't even put that past them. But, um, for me, the biggest thing is wanting to know, I would say the number one thing out of that list you mentioned was figuring out what to do with this Kelpian dude on the planet. Yes. And Everything else can come after that, yeah. I know we, we talked about it last time um, where we hope that there is an ethical dilemma. Yeah. Because I, the way I see it, there's always a chance that he could do it again and cause right. um, another burn. Because what if he does it again do get upset? and takes out the Emerald Chain somehow? Well, that would be weird after not building up the fact that they have great science institutions. <laughs> right. I, what I want to happen in the finale, you know, forget about these threads for a second. You know, you had mentioned that the development of Michael now feels different. Yes. It feels different. Like, in other words, she's, when we came into the century, she was number one. It felt like, okay, everything's good. Then she committed that little thing she did and then she got smack she got a smackdown for it but you felt like after that like okay after, but now i feel you said now after I unification feel like, now i feel like they're really um you know moving ahead with this and that now she's on a path to right and it's because win. for the first handful of episodes she yeah. was and there was no rhyme or reason to it one episode she was committed to starfleet the next episode she was really sad and didn't yeah. think she fit yeah and it just wildly went back and forth. But after unification and she went through that experience and the and the exchange with her mom, I felt like now they've given her a reason for her to be recommitted. And I think she's been recommitted since then. So what I want to see happen is I want to see something happen with her in this finale, whether that's either um, gaining number one again or... You know, you were, you've really been pushing, I think, for this idea that either Saru is going to lose his captaincy, is he going to die, is he going to remain on that planet mm-hmm. at the end of this, and then they have to find him at the beginning of next season. You know, so what I'm expecting, what I'm hoping for, is that she gets some kind of character elevation at the end of this season. Maybe that is to Captain, because what she's doing in this episode is important. I mean, she's doing a lot to take this ship back, to get this ship back, right? And even what she did when she went to the planet last week. So mm-hmm. I think there are definitely there's definitely enough there for where Starfleet says, you know, kind of like the way it ended in the first season, you know, where she regains some kind of position or gains a position in this case. So, yes. Um, that's my hope. I don't – again, that's just a – I'm just spitballing that. I don't know what that – I just think there needs to be some movement with her into – Yeah. We need to get and, to that next phase of her character, I think. And I don't think it's um, – I don't, don't – not necessarily what I think is the best choice or what I want, but the show has just insisted that she's going to be captain. Right. Um, particularly right. when sort of, um, – uh, uh, Giorgio went uh, into the past, I guess. Right. Um, and her last words were that, you know, you're not doing all that you could and mm. someone else could sit in the captain's chair. So they've just insisted. And and I've sort of had this hint, this feeling that Saru's going to die. 
also. So I think those go together potentially. Well, and also, I'm more, I'm, you know, and I'm more confident that Michael will become captain than I am that Saru will die. And it could be, you know, and it could be, it could go back to that hope is you part one. And by the way, this next episode is finally called that hope is you part two. You know, the Federation, does, the, 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 I forget the guy's name, but he does say to her that hope is you. It's you, not Saru, who is trying to spread hope with the Vulcan right. Romulans. Not, or not the Discovery. It's you. So how? it only makes sense to me that if she were to become a captain, she'd be able to uh, potentially carry something out to that effect. I, I don't know. It's disappointing to me that we have not seen that theme of hope carried out throughout the season. No, um, definitely not. And maybe that was intentional Mike. because it, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I got distracted. <laughs> That's okay. We can wrap up in a few, in a few minutes. I was thinking about how the, I read something saying that the, the guy from the beginning is probably the president of the Federation. I had read that too, but he said he wasn't a, he wasn't a, uh, he didn't raise that flag because he specifically was not a member of Starfleet. And I would think if he but was... But can you be the president of the Federation and not be a member of Starfleet? But if you're a member of the Federation, you can't raise the Federation flag? If you're the president, you can't raise the Federation flag? Uh, I thought it was the Starfleet flag. No, it was... Fe- See, and that's... I Okay. <laughs> See, yeah. and I feel like the show is using these two terms interchangeably, and they're not yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it'd right. be like the president not being able to unfurl an American flag. Like what? <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I, I mean, maybe as I'm just stumbling upon this now, cause I've said in the past, I'm disappointed that the theme of hope has not been carried out throughout the season because that's how the first episode ended. Maybe yes. that was just meant to be a seed to plant for the finale, which is not until Michael, becomes a captain or is in a position to spread that hope because she's the only one who seems to be doing it i would say no i would think i don't know so i think saru has saru but again he identifies her i know but that's just silly but again as discovery wants know as discovery wants to show us i mean i think whoever would have walked into that room he would have said that hope is you but um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, I, I I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> that was funny. Anybody walked into the room, I was just thinking all the crazy people that could have walked I mean, in. really? <laughs> you know, I mean, he says I was waiting for you, but no, he wasn't waiting for you specifically. He was waiting for somebody. Um, yeah, no, what I was gonna, no, that's what it was. What I was going to say was, as Discovery wants to continually remind us, or try to remind us, that Michael Burnham is the most important person who's ever lived and the and the weight of the galaxy's future rests on her shoulders at all times as preposterous as it seems that's that's what the show wants us to to believe see now what i like is the fact that that's the only part that i'm glad was forgotten from that first episode because there were definitely points in the season where the attention was very much off michael and it was great right and i just want to see michael be just another part of the crew you know no more attention or less give her give her her story arcs but you know 
give Saru equal time and Stamets equal time and importance. I, 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 I hear you. I think my frustration with Michael comes in in that it just it doesn't feel like I'm not gonna turn this into a everything wrong with Michael conversation. No. I just wanna say this point. I feel like we where she was in the beginning of the show and now has not she's gone up and she's gone down, but it just seems like she it's like she's running in circles. We keep coming yes. back to this moment again. And yes, it's like when, she has a, she has a, the same character arc every season. Right. When do we truly when do we truly move beyond this? And just maybe when she becomes be, captain and just have her be you know, a I understand that characters need to have flaws to make them more interesting. That they can't be perfect, and Michael is not perfect. No, but but you, almost too we've far. done this song and dance every season. Yeah. And I mean, enough's enough. That's why, like, that's why I was frustrated when she got the demotion from number one to back to science officer because I. I get what she was doing in that moment, but I'm thinking like, wh- I'm like, why are we doing this again? Why is this happening again? Yeah. When does it sink in? Right. Like again, we're just repeating the same theme thread over and over again. When do we get beyond this? That's yeah. where that's where my frustration comes up with this character. When do we get beyond all of this? That makes sense. And plus, my other frustration, we're not going to get too much into it, but just the amount of screen time is disproportionate to the interests of the character. Right. Like, for instance, I think all of her love interests could be cut from every season. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, not that it's not fine and whatever, but I don't know. That. That part just doesn't really seem like Star Trek to me. Well, I, I I buy the I buy the love interest with Book more than I do Tyler, but at the I yes. still I'm just like, but do I do I need it? Right, but it, the, the love interest, I mean Book specifically, I mean that's the reason why she got the demotion was because she went to go get him against orders, and so yeah, it's just like we need to get beyond this because. Otherwise, we're just we're telling the same story over and over again, and mm-hmm. yeah. Um. So, do you have any odds and ends that we didn't talk about that you want to mention? Um. I don't think so. I mean, like I said, I think Anthony Rapp delivered a really stand-up performance in this episode. Um. It was great to see Kenneth Mitchell again. Um. But, yeah, my final thoughts. Enjoyed the episode, but as I had said many times throughout this episode, that I just think the show has taken too many shortcuts to get to where we are. Um, I don't feel like I earned... I don't feel like the show has earned where it's where it's gotten to in this episode. So, um, yeah. Um, All right. 
Well, I, for my odds and ends, they got to do episodic episodes. They got to go back to episodic. I see. Yeah, there's not, there's so many ideas that I like in their season long stories that just don't add up to what anything. Right. That Which I think is why I need to do episodic. So I got a few odds and ends here. Um, one, the sort of security person for Osira did the same thing with Tilly that Osira did, where he starts kind of making these personal insults to her. And it just seems very strange that in the middle of this delicate operation where they are infiltrating uh, Starfleet headquarters that they all take some time to just personally insult Tilly. Yeah. And it just seems very much like they... Like I said, it seems like they watched the show. That's the only way they could know these it things. It seems like because they just feel like, oh, let's have Tilly do some funny, witty lines, and then when we can do that, it's bit by people insult her. Yeah, it just seems very weird. Um, one more. So uh, the when there's a fire, they say the for fire suppression protocols are blocking the oh, scanners. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then my thought was, so if you have a fire on the ship, the ship doesn't let you scan the area, so you don't know if you have any... Yeah. Say crew members where the fire is. Mm-hmm. It, it it just seems nonsensical that that would be one of the fire suppression protocols would not let you scan. Yep. Um. Let's see. Oh, uh, when Stamets was chained up, he was handcuffed to the ladder in I assume engineering. But I never noticed the ladder before. But the ladder was actually very TOS style. It had that like, similar height mm-hmm. as the the ladder from engineering, and so I was, I like that little design element. Um, and one more, when Osira starts talking about the lie detector, and she tells Vance, "Why can't you just find someone who tells the truth and have them come here? Why does it have to be a hologram?" And um, I think that she was just a little doesn't understand what a lie detector is. <laughs> Because oh, yeah. someone that tells the truth doesn't necessarily have the ability to know if anyone else is telling the truth. So um, those were some of my any. Um... Oh, and then the snacks. One of the great lines, I think, and even though it's sort of, I don't know what it was relaying about what was happening, but when um, oh, Dan said that they're made of our shit. Yeah. Um, he's basically referring to how food is replicated and where the matter to replicate it comes from and it's just really Oh no no I get that but I'm going to in that moment why did he choose to express it in that way Oh yeah 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 um and then when he says and then the other when he says it's pretty good for shit and I thought to myself you're making a wry comment about this season of discovery <laughs> Oh no, no I'm sorry um So yeah I so yeah, we found out that next week is finally the title we were expecting. That hope is you, part two. Part Do you two. have any? Um, I mean, we kind of went through the predictions, I guess, but right. But the anything? one thing I do find fascinating is that part three of the finale, which this really is, because this story has been going on for three episodes. Part three of the finale is part two to the first episode. Yeah, think, think about that for a second. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I think it's got to do all those things that I said, and oh, and it has to deal with the death of the mom because we're, we, I think, I think it's pretty clear that that's what's will have caused the burn. Yeah. So they got to find out exactly what caused the burn. Add that to the list. So um, I think it's going to be a, a messy episode. Just my prediction. 
I think uh, one thing one thing that I'm going to be predicting, but it's not about the, it's not about the show per se. It's more about me. Um, I know I'm I'm predicting I will not be happy when this all comes to an end. I, I I'm so if I'm not uh, when we do our season wrap up in two weeks, I will do my best not to erupt. Well, that's good because remember we're going to have a more positive season wrap up this time, and we're going to lay out our own plans. Yeah. We'll talk about the season as a whole, of course, but right. we'll lay out our plans. What of we how would it have done. Gone. The what, what if. We would have done. I mean, we've given, you know, hints about it, I think a little bit throughout this episode, and last episode of what they should have done. Yes. Um, yes. But yeah, we, um, we'll be, I think each, the two of us will kind of bring to the table, um, sort of an outline of what we would have done and how we would have presented stuff this season differently in order to maybe make it, we have the audacity to say, make it more effective. Right. And obviously we get it that writing a show is hard and we're not actually writing a whole season. We're just laying out no, like right. the big, the big points along the way. Yeah. And I think, I, but that is sort of the most important thing about it. If you don't have that, then a season of television with a long story arc can't work because yeah, that's sort of the skeleton on, on which everything else hangs. Right. Yeah. You know what they just need to do with Michael? They just need to replace her with uh, Mariner. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> it would be great. Yeah. How great would that have been if we found out the cause of the burn was the USS Cerritos? <laughs> you found debris from the USS Cerritos. That would have been great. Would yeah. Been great. Or at least if they were one of the um, holographic people, a member of the crew. That could have been fe- feasible, too. Yeah. It would have been cute. It would have been cute. Yes. Very it would have been cute. Um, all right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week. We're going to be back next week with that Hope Is You Part 2, the season finale of discovery season three and that is going to wrap up the full 23 straight weeks of star trek which is yeah unreal it's going on for what six months now it started in august back in august i think with lower decks and then it and then it uh then discovery right after that so yeah yeah well well the much deserved break for us yeah, I'm going to relish in taking a break. Not that I don't like podcasting, but 23 straight weeks of it. Yeah, it's that was great, one of the things that I was dreading in the beginning. I'm just like, oh god, that means we have to do 23 straight episodes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I that would be fun. It was fun. But it was yeah. fun, but that's the price you pay for doing a podcast, right? You've got to stay on top of doing the thing that you love. You got to stay on top of things, but, um, yep. So email us at in Star Trek, we trust at gmail.com and, or tweet us at Star Trek. We trust otherwise just, I don't know. Enjoy the finale later skaters. Peace out everybody. Peace out.